sing and welcome. Will you stand with us? Let's worship together. Amen. Great singing. Thank you so much, worship team. How's everyone doing, Cavanaugh Church? 
Good, good. It's so good to see everybody. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much for being here this Sunday morning. It's a good Sunday. It's an awesome Sunday. And it's an extra special Sunday because we have a lot of cool things happening today. We've got new people joining our church today. Let's give it up. Woo! And, and we have some people taking the love plunge today, getting baptized, proclaiming their faith to you guys as well. So let's give them up uh, uh, an applause as well. It's good. It's a good day. It's a good day. And I'm so thankful that you all are here this morning to celebrate and experience the Lord's goodness together. It's important that we meet together as the body of Christ. It really is. And coming together to, to, to worship and to grow with one another and to have fellowship is one of the most important things we can do together. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being faithful. Um, and I'm excited for what God has in store for us today. If you are a first-time guest, thank you again so much for being here. I've already met a couple of you today um, in both services. It's really awesome. So we want, what we want to do uh, for you is to meet you right after service. If you will, in the chair back in front of you, there's a little Connect card. If you could fill that out, um, we would love, again, to meet your family um, and to, to let you know all about our church. Take that little Connect card to these back doors. We have a special gift for you, a mug, Chick-fil-A gift card, and we want to be able to fill you in all about our church and what's going on here and so forth. Also, um, if you haven't already, we do have a weekly newsletter that goes out. Um, it will drop in your inbox on Mondays, um, and it's something you can sign up for. Again, it tells you about everything that's going on at the week at Kavanaugh. In fact, that's the title, This Week at Kavanaugh. And you can sign up for that at this little iPad outside these back doors um, right after service. So it's so good to see everybody. Again, we've been praying for you this week, and we know that God is going to do something awesome. I'm going to invite you all to stand right now, and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Great to see you. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you, and again, I'm so thank you for bringing us all back together in this special place here at Kavanaugh, God. We know that you're going to work, and you're, we know that you're going to move today, and we're excited to hear the word preached, and we're, and we're thankful for the time that you've had with our pastor this week as he's put together this message, God, with you. Um, we're excited to hear um, him preach and to get us pumped and amped and stoked about the things that you want us to learn about today. Because, God, we want to be the people that you want us to be. We want to go out into this lost world and be able to reach our family, our friends, and our coworkers, God. We want to be all out for you so that they can experience and know what real love is. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and for salvation. And, Lord, we pray for that, too, today. We pray that if there's somebody here in this room that does not know you, God, that they, as they hear this message preached today, as they hear about you, your son and they, your love for us, that they come to a realization that they do need you and as their Lord and Savior, God. So we pray for that connection. We pray for that relationship to begin today. Thank you for our church family. We lift up everyone here, and Lord, reign in this place today. In your name, amen. Greet those around you, and uh, we'll get started in a few seconds. Ooh. 
stand in your presence this morning. You are good and you are faithful. And I thank you for that today. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for salvation. And I thank you that once I ask you in my heart, you have been there every moment since. I thank you that when I fail you and I come back, you're still there. You're a God of second chance, a God of third chance and fourth and on and on and on. You are so good. And Lord, as long as I can draw breath, I will serve you. I pray that you would sweep over this service this morning. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, they would find you today before they leave and they would know your love and your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, have your way in this service as the pastor steps into the pulpit this morning. As he opens your word, may it sweep over us fresh and new. Let it speak to our hearts and move us and challenge us. We love you. We thank you and we praise you. and We give you everything this morning for you are good. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God's good. God is good. He's faithful. Give him a big hand. We're here to worship him today. It's the, tell you, it's the Sunday after Easter. What a great Easter we had. My goodness gracious, the house was full, both services. We had this awesome flower cross out there, right? How many of y'all got your picture made with the cross? Well, if you didn't, you can next year because we We'll be doing it again. I have a good friend in, in Oklahoma who's a pastor, and, and I don't know, he'd get all depressed on Easter. I mean, he'd just be bummed out, and, and would call him. You could just hear it. And he'd say, oh. David, what's wrong? He said, oh, man, we had a great crowd today, record crowd. Oh. Well, what's wrong with that, dude? He says, oh, we're not going to have that many next week. <laughs> oh, man, praise God for the good crowd we had last week. But praise God for you who are here today, amen? Wow, fantastic. I, I, know, I know why you're here today. It's not to hear me preach. It's for the baptisms here in a minute. I mean, really, I could, I could just say amen right now, and we could have the baptisms, and it would be fantastic. Uh, overall, in both services, we're baptizing 10 people today. Over 20 people are making Kavanaugh Church their church for life. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Thankful for that. God's placed a sermon on my heart, though, that I want to share with you, and I'm, I'm calling it Christ-likeness. Uh, some of us who grew up in church have a certain vocabulary that I think the rest of the world finds a bit strange. We use phrases in church like, covered with the blood. We use phrases like, coming to the throne of grace. Or we even talk about being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, those phrases sound perfectly normal to us, 
but quite foreign to someone outside, someone who's never been in church before. Huh? I sometimes wonder if, if a total stranger, someone who's never been to any church, stumbled into Kavanaugh on one Sunday morning, how much of my sermon would actually make sense to them? Even the name on the outside of that other building over there, Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church, is enough to scare off many a lost soul who has no idea what a Baptist is, let alone a group of them with free wills. Well, today I want to use one of those phrases that are strange, perhaps, to those who are outside of Christian circles. And to be honest about it, it's a term that I grew up saying without thinking too much about its meaning. However, I can tell you today, it has a very rich and deep meaning that I think should have a huge impact on all of our lives. And again, the phrase is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. To be like Jesus Christ. Now, that word Christ-likeness doesn't actually occur anywhere in the Bible, but the idea is conveyed all over the place. The Bible says that we are to be conformed to the very image of God's Son. The Bible says that we should grow up in Christ in all things. The Bible teaches us that we should put on the Lord Jesus Christ and be imitators of Him in all things. But really, what does that mean? I mean, what does Christ-likeness look like? Well, I've, I've got a visual picture for you to look at. I actually saw this guy on the streets in Jerusalem when we were in the Holy Lands last year. I'm, I'm not talking about the guy with the look-like cowboy hat over here. I'm talking about that guy in the white robe. I mean, can you see him? Back row, can y'all see him? I mean, when you see this guy, what do you think? There's Jesus. I mean, I, I saw the guy and I wanted to walk up to him and ask him for his autograph. I mean, mentally, Jason, tell me, mentally, isn't that just like the pictures that you've seen of, of Jesus Christ growing up there? I mean, he looks just like Jesus. I, 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 I didn't talk to him. I, I read about him, though, and I speculate what they say is true. He's an American who moved to Jerusalem and he dresses like, like Jesus every day and he walks through the streets and sometimes he, he carries a cross. But I got to thinking about that. If, if, if that is Jesus, then to be like Jesus, I'm going to have to trade in my, my jacket for a white robe. <laughs> my shoes for sandals. I'm going to have to grow out the rest of this beard, Right? have no idea what I'm going to do with the hair, man. I mean, it's not jiving right there, man. If, if, if I am like Jesus, does that mean that I, I go to the lakeside and, and I preach to people down on the lake? Do, do I cast out demons and, and do I perform miracles? Is that Christ-likeness? Well, not necessarily. Christ-likeness isn't primarily a matter of appearance. It's more of an attitude. And specifically, the attitude that Jesus himself had concerning his Father's will. Now, to get a taste of this, how Jesus thought about his Father's will, we actually have to go back to the Old Testament. Psalm 40. Psalm 40 is, quote-unquote, a messianic psalm. That means it contains a distinct prophecy about Jesus Christ. And there are three verses right in the middle of Psalms 40, verses 6, 7, and 8, 
that are also quoted in the New Testament. They're found in Hebrews chapter 10. And the writer of the book of Hebrews places these words in the mouth of Jesus Christ as if Jesus were speaking these words to his heavenly Father. So church, listen to me. If we are to be Christ-like, then we need to speak these same words to our heavenly Father because they contain the essence of what it means to be Christ-like. So what are the words? Well, let me read them from Psalm chapter 40, verses 6, 7, and 8. Again, the writer of Hebrews puts these words in Jesus' mouth. He said this, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your law is within my heart. Amen? Amen. And may God add his blessings to the reading and now the preaching of his word. So these words in Psalm 40 are quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, and they are put in the mouth of Jesus. Jesus said these words to his heavenly Father. So if we are going to be Christ-like, and how many of y'all really do want to be Christ-like? If we want to be Christ-like, we should be saying these words to our Heavenly Father as well. Three things. Number one, Christ-likeness means I have ears that are opened. Listen again to what David said in verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require it. That's an interesting phrase, my ears you have opened. The word for open literally means dug, like you're digging a hole in the ground. It can also mean bored, like you're boring a hole in a board. It can also mean pierced, like you're striking something with a nail and piercing it. Some people think that this has to do with an Old Testament practice regarding slaves. So let's say we got a slave over here who's owned by a a really benevolent master who treats all of his slaves good. When time comes for this slave to be set free, the slave can make a choice to become a lifelong servant of his owner. Maybe he had a good status in life. Maybe maybe he had a high rank in the household. Maybe, Maybe he just fell in love with his master's family. And he said to his master, I don't want to be set free. I want to stay in your house. I want to work for you for the rest of your life. I want to become a willing servant. And if the master of the house agreed, he would take that slave to his door opening, the frame of his door opening, his door post, and he would place that servant's ear on the wood of the door frame, and with an awl he would pierce a hole in the, they had piercing back then, apparently. He'd put a big hole in his earlobe, and that hole would be a sign that this person had become a willing servant to his master for the rest of his life. And some people think that's what David had in mind here. He was saying, I want to become God's servant always. I want to have my ear pierced so everyone knows I serve the Lord. 
But there's a few problems with that interpretation. You'll notice that the word ears is plural. My ears, both of them, you have opened. Both ears have been bored. And that really doesn't fit with this servant interpretation because a slave who became a willing, lifelong servant only had one ear pierced. So for that reason and a few others, most interpreters find another meaning to this passage. This word is best translated opened. My ears you have opened. Isaiah the prophet said this, the sovereign Lord wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. You know what it means to have open ears. You're actually hearing. Now, I'm looking, most of you are looking at me right now, but are you really hearing? Yeah, it's kind of like I don't ride my motorcycle much anymore because I was out on it one day and I pulled up to a stop sign and it was this truck stopped and he looked right at me and as I pulled out, he pulled out and almost hit me. And it dawned on me right then, you know what? People see, but do they really see? They may be looking at you, but they don't really see you. And sometimes we do the same thing hearing. Wives, tell me, how many times do your husband look at you and nod his head, but he ain't hearing a single word you're saying? So you need to wake him up right now and say, listen to this. You need to have open ears because Jesus did. Jesus had open ears to hear what the Father was saying to him. Jesus knew the Old Testament, and he loved his Bible. I just read the other day that a full 10% of Jesus' ordinary daily conversation consisted of direct quotes from the Old Testament. He constantly quoted Scripture. Why? Because he loved the Word of God. His ears were open to what God had to say to him. I wonder about ours. I recently read a story about a Yellowstone National Park ranger. How many of y'all have ever been to the Yellowstone National Park? Raise your hand. Leave, leave it up just for a second because I'm, I'm looking. Is it as really cool as what you think it was before? I mean, is it really cool? I've always wanted to go to Yellowstone, man. I, I remember as a little kid being at my grandparents' house and granddad and I were watching the TV. That was back when we ate... Ron, we ate dinner off of food trays, off those, they were metal trays that my grand would set up for us, and, and she would serve us, bring things to us. And my granddad, Whitmire, he'd rattle his tea glass, and she'd come fill it up. <laughs> y'all, y'all have heard me tell the story about when I tried that with Angie right after we first got married. Just didn't quite work out the same as it for me, <laughs> Anyway, I'm diverting. I know that I am. I'm going back to some great childhood memories. But something would come on about Yellowstone or we'd see some kind of picture. I'd say, Granddad, I want to go to Yellowstone. Would you take me to Yellowstone? And he'd say, sure, son, we'll go one day. We never got to go. But I've always had a hankering to go to Yellowstone. Don't, don't you all think before I die I need to go to? Yeah, I might do that one of these. Anyway, I love this story. It's about a Yellowstone National Park ranger. He was leading a group of people down this trail to a lookout tower. That's where they were headed. 
And he got so involved in telling them about the, the flowers, about the rocks, about the animals. And, and he kept getting irritated because his, his radio that he carried on his belt was, would squeak. And, and, and they would, you know. And he got tired of that, so he just turned the thing off. Well, a little bit later, one of the rangers who had been in the lookout tower was running towards them as fast as he could go, breathless. And he said, why did you turn off your radio? We've been trying to tell you. We, we spotted a grizzly bear stalking your group. Oh, my goodness. But their radio had been switched off. Anytime we become so distracted that we turn off our communication with God, we're at the mercy not of a stalking grizzly bear, but we are at the mercy of a stalking lion. His name is the devil, and he wants to consume your life. When you become too busy for Bible study every day and prayer every day, friend, let me tell you, you become too busy. And you're losing a key ingredient in Christ's likeness. For God doesn't desire burnt offerings. What he desires is for your ears to be open. God is longing to communicate with you. Did you know that even before you walked in these doors today, God wanted to have a conversation with you? God has so much he wants to tell you. So much he wants to talk to you about but the only way we can hear him and listen to him is when we are tuned in. Did I tell you the way that begins is when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Remember that? One of the benefits of being saved is you get the Holy Spirit living in your life. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help us pray and communicate with God. So if you really want to be like Jesus Christ, you're going to have to say like Jesus said, Lord, open my ears. You know, I think that'd be a pretty good prayer for a lot of us to pray down at the altar this morning. Lord, would you open my ears and not only speak to me right now, but Lord, speak to me every day because I need to hear your voice so I can be like Jesus Christ. Number two, Christ-likeness means a life that is available for the Lord's use. Verse seven, then I said, behold, I come. Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Behold, I come. That, that reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember the story there? He went into the house of God and he saw God in all of his majesty, high and lifted up. And then he saw who he was. He was, he was a no good for nothing, dirty, rotten sinner. He said, woe is me. My eyes have seen the Lord of hosts, the God of the heavens and the earth. And the end result of that worship scene is Isaiah when he said, here am I, Lord, send me. I make my life available to you. Use me. Guys, when your ears are open to the voice of God and to the call of God, the only proper response is to lay your life before God and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Someone said God doesn't need our ability nearly as much as he needs our availability. Let that sink in just for a second. I'm looking out here, and yeah, I see you. I see. Man, y'all are awesome. Every one of you. Everyone in this room 
has something about them that is, it, it's a gift from God. Whether it's a natural ability or a spiritual gift, or maybe it's your brain. Some of you are so smart. Some of you are so talented. Some of you have, have so many abilities. And that is awesome. That's great. Thank God for you and the gifts that you have. But did you realize that if you are using those gifts and those abilities and that talent only for yourself, you're not only robbing the rest of us, you're robbing this world. And God, God is not necessarily looking for the most talented or the best looking or the smartest or the most creative. What he's looking for is somebody he can use. Because what good is all of that stuff that you have if you're not using it for the Lord? And I don't want to be Nancy negative, and excuse me if there's anybody in here named Nancy, all right? But I really don't think there are that many people who are interested in being available to God. I mean, we got our own thing going on. We're, we're so busy living life and doing the stuff we want to do. But let me tell you something, friend. Those who do make their life available, those who say, Lord, here I am, send me, those are the ones he chooses and uses and blesses. That's what Christ had in mind when he said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I think the hymnist imagined a conversation with God and, and got it right when he said these words, take up thy cross, cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. And here was his response. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And I think that is the call of God on our lives today. Are we available to him? Perhaps no missionary lived up to their name better than the missionary whose last name was Go Forth. That was really his name. First name was Jonathan. His last name was Goforth. He, he was an amazing man, an amazing missionary, maybe the most powerful evangelist in Asia, something rare for a Westerner. God used him as, here's the quote, China's most outstanding evangelist. He, he, he was awesome. He could preach in Asia, and over 25,000 people would come out just to hear this guy preach. Thousands of people were saved under his ministry. His home was always open. His door was always open for people who were inquirers, who wanted to know more about the Lord. One day, over 2,000 people showed up throughout the day. My goodness. He ran out of fritos, I'm sure. Thousands of people were saved. There were 50 Chinese converts who went out as ministers and missionaries and evangelists to other countries just because of his preaching. So what led Jonathan Goforth to be this great missionary, to go to Asia, to go to China? Well, he came to Christ at 18 years of age and soon thereafter yielded himself to full-time Christian service after reading Robert Murray McShane's memoirs. 
But it was during the preaching of George Mackey, a veteran missionary to Taiwan, that drew Jonathan Goforth to go overseas. Mackey had traveled the United States for two years trying to recruit young men from college campuses to go to Asia to become missionaries. That is, for two years he traveled across the United States in numerous universities and colleges asking and pleading for young men to answer the call to mission service. But no one had said yes. One night, as, as Jonathan, a college student, sat there and listened to Mackey, he pronounced that this was his last night in the United States. The next day he was going to be going to Taiwan, and he said, I want you to know my life has been an utter failure. I've tried for two years to convince someone to follow me to Taiwan to carry on the missionary service there, but no one has said yes, and I'm going back to Taiwan empty-handed. Well, little did he realize his work was not in vain because Jonathan Goforth was then that audience that last night, and he said this about that service later. Jonathan said, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. God said to me, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And as a young man, I volunteered and answered and said, here am I, Lord, send me. And from that moment, I became a foreign missionary. You know, I read that and I think, cool, <laughs> that's awesome. You hear stories like that and you just file them away in your quote-unquote preacher, missionary stories from Brother Will. And you think, okay, that, that's, that's what missionaries do. They, they surrender. They make themselves available. I, I can remember when I did that. I had answered the call to preach, but I was holding some things back. I, I had my own dreams, my own goals, my own desires. I wanted to spend all of my life in the great state of Texas. I had... I had full anticipation of coming back to Midland or Lubbock, Texas and spending my whole life pastoring in West Texas. What happened? <laughs> well, I, it was between the summer, between my, my sophomore and junior year, I'd gone back home to Midland, Texas, and I was working for my uncle in a machine shop, and I was volunteering at the church that I grew up in, interning there. And th they gave me a little office that summer. Dad remembers that little Sunday school office in the front corner of the church, and they'd set me up a little desk in there, and I had a chair. And it was late at night. I should have been home sleeping, but I was, I was, I was in that room praying and reading. And Man, I, I don't know. I can remember it like yesterday. It was like the Spirit of God filled that room. And I realized I was in the presence of God. And I started looking at my life and thinking about my plans and and I realized that God might have something else for my life. And I can remember getting, getting on the ground, both hands and feet, and I was, I was bawling my eyes out. And I cried out and I told God, I said, God, I've got my plans, my dreams, my aspirations, but I'm giving all of that to you, Lord. Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. I'm yours. Little did I know. 
that I was going to have to spend all my life in Arkansas, man. And again, yeah, I hear you, man. It has been pretty cool. Good church. And again, you're thinking, ah, it's another preacher story. Let me tell you, dude, that's for all of us. I, I don't care who you are. If you're a Christian and you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to make your life available to God. Grew up in Midland, Texas. Mom and dad both grew up in Midland, Texas. That was our home. I, I think y'all probably anticipated or thought you were going to spend your whole life in Midland. You, dad knew the police well in Midland. He grew up as a thug. They knew him well. Our family was there. My dad worked for Southwestern Bell, had a great job. We had an awesome house. We knew, we knew people all over town. And then one day they called my dad in, Southwestern Bell, and said, hey, Will, we like the job you've been doing. We want to promote you and move you to Abilene. I can remember mom and dad struggling with that and praying about that. And I remember them going to the altar at the West Side Free Will Baptist Church and committing that to the Lord and saying, Lord, whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. I, I don't know if it was the next Wednesday night, but soon after that, we had a missionary come to our church and tell us he was going to start a church in Abilene, Texas. And mom and dad said, yeah, Lord. And we moved to Abilene, not, not necessarily because he got a job promotion. We moved there to do the will of God. And guess what? My dad's not a preacher. He's just like you. Friend, friend do you hear what I'm saying? To be like Jesus, you've got to have ears that are open, but also a life that is available. And for some of you, that's what you need to do this morning. You need to come and lay your life before the Lord, lay your plans before God, and say, God, here are my plans, but I'm giving them to you. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Number three, Christ-likeness means a heart that is yielded. I love verse eight. I delight to do your will, my God, and your law is within my heart. Those, those words, remember, were spoken by Christ to his Father in Hebrews chapter 10. The essence of Christ's likeness has to do with our attitude toward our Heavenly Father's will. On the mountains of Galilee, Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. To be able to say, God, Lord, I love your will. I delight to do your will may be a difficult thing for some of us in this room to say because we are always trying to obtain our own desires and our own goals. Several years ago, a New York contractor, short on cash, forged a note for $2,000. He was arrested, convicted, and imprisoned in New York's infamous prison, The Tombs. That's what it was called. It's really Manhattan Detention Center. Ironically, this prison had been his dream, his project, his last big contract. Trudging through the gates, he groaned, I never dreamed when I built this prison that I would be an inmate one day, but here I am. I think many, many of us have discovered that dreams can become dungeons. The aspirations that motivated us in our 20s 
are imprisoning us in our 50s. Many of us reach a time in our life when we realize, as C.S. Lewis put it, that we may, not, we may not be great after all. Our high and holy hopes are unfulfilled, and we feel inner disappointment mixed with frustrating envy toward those who exhibit greater success than we do. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, I'm talking about this guy named Jim. He was named chief loan officer for his bank branch. And by most standards, he would be considered successful. He was highly regarded by his peers. But he had fallen short of his dream. His dream had always pictured himself as the president of his hometown bank. But the dream that motivated him in his 20s now imprisoned him behind the bars of self-imposed failures in his 50s. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Joyce, a missionary in China. She had imagined herself leading a mission school of over a thousand students. But after two terms of hard work, she was teaching a class with less than 20 kids. Her work was quality. Her devotion was selfless. Lives were being changed. But a feeling of failure stalked her because her own ambitions had not been actualized. They have a name for this. It's called dream deflation. It's a widely observed symptom of midlife crisis. Doctors actually tell us that when our dreams crash into reality, they have to be adjusted, adjusted and downsized. For most of us at the beginning of adulthood, we tend to overrate our capabilities and our opportunities. Statistically, only 5% of us will ever reach the top of our careers. And even then, many earlier dreams are still beyond our reach. So for a whole lot of us, life can turn out to be a great disappointment, leading to depression and despair, and causing us to sing one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery, if I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> Gloom, despair, agony on me. Dream deflation. I shared this with Angie in the car the other day, and she started crying. <laughs> Not really. She, <laughs> she looked at me and she said, that's depressing. Don't tell me you're going to say that on Sunday mornings. <laughs> well, I did. Because you know what, I think, I think that's where most of us are. We've realized that, you know what, we're not really as great as we thought we were. We've not reached the goals that we have set in our life. And we're so disappointed. But G. Campbell Morgan, the great preacher, used to say, life's disappointments are God's appointments. God's agenda for our lives is perfect. Now, it, it may not include fame and fortune, but when we surrender our dreams for God's will, we discover plans that will prosper us 
giving us a hope and a future. And let me tell you, doing it God's way is a whole lot better than doing it your own way. It can never be dream deflation when we surrender our goals to Jesus Christ and exchange them for his perfect will. This isn't the downsizing of our dreams. It is the uplifting of our destinies. When we make our hearts pliable to him. When you can say with David and David's greater son, Jesus Christ, I delight to do your will, my God. To do your will is my desire. At every point in life, at every age, our lives are to be living sacrifices to him. So let me ask you this morning, just, just me and you, let me ask you, are your ears open? Can you hear God speaking to you? Because let me, right now he's trying to have a conversation with you. Do you hear him? Do you have a life that is available? I mean, have you done that? Have you ever prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm laying it before you. It's, 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 it's not my goals, not my ambitions. I'm going to live for it anymore. I'm living for your will. And do you have a heart that is yielded to God? Are you Christ-like? A sculptor once fashioned a magnificent lion out of solid stone. When asked how he accomplished such a wonderful masterpiece, he replied, well, it was easy. All I did was chip away everything that didn't look like a lion. And so my prayer for you this morning is, is simply this, that right now, God would start chipping away in your life everything that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. Because more than anything else, as your pastor and your friend, I want you to be Christ-like. That all begins when you give your life to Jesus. When you say yes to God. When you pray that sinner's prayer. You repent of your sins. You believe in Jesus. And you ask him to come into your heart. At that moment, you're born again. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you have become a child of God. The old has passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. Nathan, we're, we're about to baptize some people up here, and it's so awesome. Here's what baptism symbolizes. It's representing that you belong to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. But praise God, he didn't stay in that tomb. Three days later, he came up out of the tomb, and he is alive now. And when we baptize people in this baptistry here in a moment, what they are saying is this, I believe in Jesus. And it's a testimony to you that their lives have been changed by the power of God. And so what do we do? We bury them in that watery grave, symbolizing that they have died to the old man. But we don't leave them in that water. Now, Brother Johnny will leave them down there a little longer than the rest of us. We don't leave them there because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. We pull them up out of the water just like Jesus came out of the tomb, representing the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. Has that happened to you? Have you been saved? If not, I invite you to come down here and, and let us have the privilege of leading you through the plan of salvation. 
For the rest of you, I, I don't know what's going to keep you in your chair right now because we're about to pray and let you come up here and become Christ-like. Say to the Lord, open my ears. My life is available. My heart is yielded. My life is in your hands. Would you do that? As God speaks to you, would you come and pray? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless this room with your presence. Speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, I pray that you right now would start chipping away everything in our life that doesn't look like Jesus. And as those who are about to be baptized walk to the back and get ready to follow you in baptism, I pray that the rest of our hearts would be open to your Holy Spirit. Lord, for those who need to come and receive Christ, I pray they come. Those who need to come and become more like Jesus, I pray that we'd come and pray. Have your way in our lives. Do something awesome in this service. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Altars are open. Come right now and pray. Come become like Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need to come and, and pour out your heart to him and ask God to be with you and your family and the problems you're having at home or at work or in life. God is here and he wants to meet with you. Would you come? Guys are going to sing. Come on. Right now. Come on. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us.
being good to us. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. I pray to God that you would just bless those who are about to follow you in baptism. Dear Lord, help all of us to be a good witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to ask uh, those who have gone through our Connect class and those who have signed that church covenant who are ready to join Kavanaugh and make Kavanaugh their church for life. If they would just come down here and kind of line up in the front, we're going to introduce you to the church and and let the church uh, tell you how much they love you, okay? So guys, come on down here if you would. And uh, good deal. I think most everybody is here. Fantastic. Wonderful. Isn't this great? Fantastic. I'm going to step on down here, introduce these guys to you. These guys are uh, awesome. They love the Lord and they, uh, they uh, enjoyed getting involved in, in Kavanaugh Church. Of course, you know Kara, her, her husband Caleb's about to be baptized, so he's not out here. We're so thankful for him. We got Cody and Jennifer up here. Love these guys. Don't mess with Cody, man. He's a, he's a, he's a boxing man from Texas, and I love it, dude. God bless you. He's, he's awesome. And, and then we have uh, Caleb and Alyssa. Uh, they're from Oklahoma, but we're not going to hold that against them, all right? Uh, we're, we love these guys. So proud of y'all and so thankful for you. And church, if, if you accept them into our full fellowship, and if you promise that you're going to love them and support them, come alongside of them and do life and ministry with them, let them know it with a big round of applause. Would you do that? God bless you guys. I love you so much. Good to have you in our fellowship. God bless you, buddy. So good to have you. Love you guys. Now, that was a weak applause. So if you really love them, stand up and let them know that you love them. You're going to support them. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank y'all. Y'all can be seated. Appreciate that. Fantastic. And then I invite you to go ahead and sit down. We have several who are going to follow the Lord in Christian baptism. And I just told you what baptism is all about. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is uh, following the Lord's command and uh, following him in baptism to rejoice in what Jesus has done for us. I think Nathan is going to kick it off and uh, he's got a few that he's going to baptize and get started. So give Brother Nathan a big hand, would you? Good. All right, walk down here. All right, sit down. There you go. Good morning, Capitol Church family. How's everyone doing? Yeah, this is a special morning. Man, it's good. Man, all right. You got a lot of cool people in this room, Jed, looking at you. A lot of people, a lot of people love you, your church family. You got some friends. You got Lance and Gatlin. They're here, school friends, yeah, they're here. Um, Mom and dad are here, we're so proud of you. I know, are we in that cool, cat? are we in the cool category? Cool. You got, you even got Mr. Perry back there. He, he's there too, yeah. And Grandma and Grandpa Barlow and Grandma Ann, Papa Bill, Papa and Ganny, man, we're all just so proud of you. They're watching online too. You know, baptism is, um, like Brother Will said, it's, it's, it's a proclamation, it's a it's a public declaration of what's already happened in, on, in our hearts. As Jesus has come in and we've received him and we love him. And, and Jed has done that, haven't you? 
Kevin Che. And we're so proud of you. And mom and dad, are, again, we're so proud of your faith and all that you, how you are as a person, um, your, your enthusiasm for Jesus and how, how well you listen back in Brother Johnny's area. And you just love the Lord, and we're so thankful for that, okay? So, Jed, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you promise to love and serve him with, with the rest of your life? And to be nice to your brothers as best as you can? Just sneak that one in there. All right. Hold your nose. With that being said, I baptize you, my brother and my boy, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right. All right. I've asked Brother Johnny if you'll say a prayer for Jed. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful and proud of Jed and God, how he's accepted you and what a witness he is. He shares his faith everywhere he goes. And God, we are so excited to see what you'll do with him. Lord, thank you for this day and bless him and all of his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to hop right in here and baptize my friend, Caleb Pyle. Caleb is such a great man of God. He loves the Lord. He loves his wife. He loves his family. He loves his church, and God is using him in a great way here at Kavanaugh Church. Caleb, you're awesome, man, and I'm so proud of you following the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. So it is with great joy that I baptize this, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Woohoo! Awesome. I don't know. I don't know if this is okay with you, but I'm going to ask your father-in-law, Brother Stacy, to stand up and pray for you. All right? Can we do that, Stacy? Would you pray, buddy? They can, they can come to that. All right. Next up, we have Tyler. Everyone say hello, Tyler. All right, Tyler. Man, I'm so proud of you. Sit, sit on down. There you go. Yeah. So proud of you, man. I mean, we, Tyler and his sister Allison, who's about to be out here too, they've been part of our student ministry the last year and a half, and it's so cool to see them be back there growing and, and, and loving the Lord as they do. I know this is, this is just the beginning, man. This is really an awesome step that you're taking. Again, before our church and before, before people, you're saying, I have received the Lord, and I'm ready to serve and, and love Him with my entire life. And that's how we've been praying for you. That's how I've been praying for you, man. So proud of you, how you've grown, and I just know that that God has so much potential for your life, and uh, cannot wait to see uh, how that all plays out. So let me just ask you some basic questions. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you promise to serve and love him for the rest of your life? Yes. Awesome. With that being said, grab your nose, and I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Good. Good. Matt Dooley, will you stand up and pray for Tyler? Amen. All right. And here's his sister, Allison. 
Allison, we're so proud of you. This is, a, this is a big day for you. And again, like I told Tyler, man, this is only the beginning. I mean, stepping up and out of your faith is a big deal, even for teenagers to do this in this day and age, right? It's a really big deal for you guys to step out of your faith and say, you know what? I'm going to put Jesus first. I'm going to serve him faithfully. So with that being said, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You promise to serve him with the rest of your life? Awesome. I'm so proud of you. You're one of the most sweetest girls I know, um, and I'm so thankful that you're part of our student ministry, and uh, man, we're just so blessed by this step of faith that you're taking today. Hold your nose. And with all that, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. Sister Kara Spencer, will you pray for Allison this morning? All right. All right, next up, another team. Isn't this awesome or what? We got Busy. Busy's awesome. She's a busy bee, but we love her to death. And uh, her whole family's over here today uh, to celebrate this momentous occasion. Busy, I'm so proud of you and your faith and how much you love Jesus. And you, again, being part of our student ministry is just so incredible. And you really add a really cool dynamic and, again, a really sweet presence back there. So I'm so proud of you for this step of faith today. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And you promised to serve him with the rest of your life? All right. I'm so proud of you. With that being said, grab your nose. I baptize you, my, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, you went on your own too. That's what I like. Awesome. Stand up. Sister Catherine Dundee, will you pray for Busy for us today? Okay, I'm up now. Nathan sold a couple of mine, but oh well. All right, go ahead and sit down. Now, this young lady's name is Brindley Woodward, and she has a whole cheering section over here. I mean, they, look at those guys. That whole side, pretty much. And she told me today, she said, I, I have a few family with me today. And I said, yeah, you have a whole section. So proud of her. She learned about Jesus back in Miss Barbara's class, and uh, she has been saved, and she's ready to be baptized. So proud of her. Uh, we, are, we are learning back in the back right now about how Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not sin against God. And we're talking about that. And, and today we've talked about how our, we're going to purpose in our heart. And that's one of the things we talked about to follow him in baptism. Now, our Father, in its obedience to thy heavenly command, I baptize this, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There we go. All right, Miss Barbara, you think you can get, say a good prayer here? Oh, fall in. Okay, big step down. All right, just sitting over right there. All right, guys, this is Macy Ray. I tell you what, I just love Macy. I love her family. 
Macy, you're awesome. So Macy, if you don't know, this is Isaac's girlfriend, or should I say Isaac's your boyfriend? Uh, well, we love, love this family. Macy loves Jesus. She's been saved but never baptized. So I get the privilege to do that today. And I'm so thankful that she's following Jesus. And so Macy, it's with great honor that I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Great job. Great job. All right. I'm going to ask Joy to pray for Macy. Amen. Hey, how about giving God a big hand? Would you do that? Amen. It, it's pretty cool when uh, different pastors get to baptize. That means God is saving people in all age groups, and he does great things. Amen. So glad you're a part of our church service today. If you're a member of Kavanaugh, please drop your tithe and offering off in one of those black boxes as you walk out. If you're a guest, please fill out one of those Connect cards. Take it to the Connect counter, and we will give you a gift. couple of announcements. Wednesday night is a big night here at Kavanaugh Church. We are hosting the Unity Association. So several churches are going to be represented. They'll be here. Our second service praise team is going to lead in the worship. And then our very own Mason Polk is going to be here to preach. Isn't that great? Can't wait for it, man. Right after that, we're going to have this short business meeting for uh, Unity Association. Oh, Kendall Ross, who used to be a member of our church, is the chairman, and uh, he's going to lead that meeting. If you don't want to stay for the meeting, you don't have to, but I invite you to come on Wednesday night. It's going to be an awesome, awesome service. Next Sunday, our C groups are reconvening just for three short weeks. But it's a special emphasis, so get signed up for that, get involved. Thursday, prime timers are having lunch together, and Saturday is the men's prayer breakfast. If you are graduating either high school or college, we'd like for you to sign up out on one of the iPads. We will be honoring our graduates later on in the month of May. I want you to know you're loved. God bless you. Have a great day. Get out of here.